back to the Doggy Juice Pod, powered by Dimers.com. This is episode number 101, Thursday, November 19th, 2020, and college basketball is right around the corner, ladies and gentlemen. So in this episode, I'm going to touch on a bunch of different topics. I'll start out the pod with some quick hitters, and then the 2020-2021 college hoop season officially tips off next Wednesday, November 25th, the day before Thanksgiving. So I'll take a glance at the futures odds boards and examine some macro issues in the world of college basketball. All of you long-term listeners know that college hoops is my favorite sport to watch and to handicap, and the opportunities that we will have in college basketball markets, especially early on in the season, are second to none. After that, I'll dive into this weekend's college football and NFL cards to close out the pod, including the official Doggy Juice podcast, Week 11 NFL Plays. And a quick special thank you to all of my former guests who submitted audio clips for last week's milestone 100th episode of the Doggy Juice pod. That meant a lot. Unfortunately, our Finau and Metsu Yamamamiya tickets didn't get there. I know uh, everyone had a little piece in that free roll that I gave out as a gift. Everyone had a $10 split on Finau and Matsuyama, but uh, didn't win, of course. DJ got there with relative ease on Sunday, actually. But it was a fun sweat with Decky heading into the final day, or at least on Saturday. He was, I think, one shot uh, behind the lead heading into moving day on Saturday. So it was a fun sweat but didn't get there for us. But thanks again to all of you guys, and thanks again to you, the listener, for all of your support over the last two-plus years. No guests this week, but I do have some fun guests lined up moving forward. All right, let's get right to business. Time for some quick hitters. Illinois sports betting handle for September was finally released earlier this week. In typical Illinois fashion, we have to wait longer for the monthly numbers than most other states, but that's simply due to our poorly written Illinois sports betting law, which states that all taxes are due to the board no later than one month following the calendar month in which the wagers were received. So we're always going to see these puppies come out much later than the other states. But Illinois saw $305 million in sports betting wagers in the month of September, more than doubling August's handle, which is especially impressive considering the fact that points bet wasn't live for the entire month. 93% of bets came via mobile and online. Bet Rivers was still the top dog, but safe to say that'll be the last time Rivers leads the pack. Bet Rivers had an 84.2% market share back in August, but that was down to a 36.7% market share in September. Like all the other markets out there, all the other state markets where they're present, DraftKings and FanDuel will be numbers one and two moving forward uh, for the foreseeable future here in Illinois. DraftKings is in line to be number one here in the land of Lincoln, ahead of FanDuel at number two. An even bigger percentage will be via mobile when we finally see the November numbers next year, finally, or at least early on in 2021. Uh, this week, Governor Pritzker announced that all casinos are closing effective Friday of this week due to the spread of COVID-19. So the state's 10 casinos will be shut down by this weekend. Uh, casinos reopened on July 1st at 50% capacity, but some had to scale back to 25% capacity in early October, and all of them had to do so uh, since late October. But now casinos will be closed effectively on Friday of this week for the foreseeable future, unfortunately. 
All in all, Illinois took in $6.8 million in adjusted gross revenue from sports betting, which equates to only a 2.2% hold percentage, which is quite low when you really look at it. But a lot of that was largely due to uh, all of the bonuses and promotions that we're seeing as the land grab for customer acquisition continues from these operators that we have here in Illinois. It makes you wonder how a state like Tennessee that's requiring a 10% hold is going to do things in the future. That doesn't go into effect until January 1st, I believe, that rule, but that's going to be something to watch for sure. But as expected, Illinois is surging up the rankings when it comes to states with the most monthly sports betting handle. New Jersey is still the king with $748.6 million wager back in September. We're looking at September for these numbers, just to be clear, because the October numbers are out for um, everyone but Illinois. But uh, Nevada was second in September, $575 million to New Jersey, $748.6. And Pennsylvania was third at $462.8 million in handle. And in fifth, uh, Illinois, obviously, it, uh, or sorry, in fifth behind Illinois, is was Colorado. Illinois was fourth. And Colorado took in $207.7 million in bets in September, just slightly ahead of Indiana's $207.5 million. But Indiana's October numbers already came out, and uh, they they posted $230.9 million in handle. A nice uptick for Indiana in October, despite Illinois continuing to rise as well. Here in Illinois, FanDuel announced that it's partnering up with Fairmount Park Racetrack to build a big new sports book down there that's down in St. Louis, so it doesn't really impact my listeners up here in Chicagoland, but where it may impact us Chicagoans is that it opens up the door for Paradise Casino, FanDuel's current partner, to partner up with another sports betting operator sometime in in the near future and bring another new player to the state sooner rather than later. The $305 million wagered in Illinois back in September means that the total U.S. sports betting handle in the month of September was almost $3 billion, nearly $2.9 billion to be exact, which, of course, sets a national record and the second consecutive month uh, back in September with at least $2 billion wagered legally here on sports betting here in the United States. And if you want more on where things stand on state-by-state sports betting legalization, I went on friend of the pod Matt Landis's show, Props and Hops, last week to break down the national sports betting landscape when it comes to legalization. I mentioned it in last week's pod, too. He released that on, I believe, Tuesday of last week. But we looked at where we've come from, where things are going in the new era that we're living in here with legal regulated sports betting in the United States. And to say these are exciting times in the space would be an understatement. The NBA draft was this week. Obviously, we're used to seeing that take place over the summertime, but due to 2020 being 2020, we got it in mid-November. We've seen a shakeup on NBA futures boards the past couple days, too, and not just after Wednesday night's draft. The trade with the Suns in Oklahoma City obviously made headlines earlier in the week. Chris Paul to the Suns and the Thunder as of Wednesday afternoon, at least uh, before the draft. They had 17 first-rounders through the 2026 draft, so... OKC fans get excited for 2027, I guess. But the Suns were one of the biggest stories in the bubble. 
Uh, now they have Chris Paul, and no doubt they're going to be a favorite team with the betting public heading into next season. So naturally, they're going to be a team I'm looking to fade in the marketplace, especially early on when that team kind of gets used to each other. No doubt they're going to have a lot of public, they're going to attract a lot of public action early on in the year. The Bucks went all in on keeping Giannis and not losing him due to free agency this offseason. They gave up three first-round picks with that trade uh, for Bogdanovich, too, but um, that one looks like it actually didn't go through, which is interesting because the projected starting lineup of that Bogdanovich trade went through with Giannis out there. It's Giannis, Middleton, Lopez, Drew Holiday, who they acquired, and Bogdanovich, which probably is top to bottom the best starting five in the NBA if they had Bogdanovich, but no. There's news out there that that trade didn't go through, so that's something to keep your eye on. But a risky move for Milwaukee, basically mortgaging their future for right now, but I get why they went all in on the Greek freak and completely uh, mortgaged their future in the process of doing so. Obviously, look at what the Nets and Rockets end up doing with James Harden moving forward. That's going to impact the landscape. And and then obviously the injury to Clay Thompson, very Unfortunate it happened late Wednesday nights, and the news came out Thursday that he's going to be out for this season. For the Warriors, just brutal timing, that's for sure. But from a future standpoint, there was a big move on the Warriors, obviously, after the Clay Thompson news. Uh, the Warriors went from one of the short shots on the board up to 20 to 25 to 1 on that news. The Lakers are now your consensus betting favorite to repeat as NBA champions. Uh, their consensus 3 to 1 short shots on the betting boards. The Bucks are next in the 5 to 1 plus 550 range and the other two single digit short shots are the Clippers and the aforementioned Mets both at around 6 to 1 depending on where you shop. All right, busy times are ahead football and basketball. We have that combination that I so love. This time of year is always very busy. Actually, college basketball usually starts in early November, it's starting later this year due to COVID-19, but I get the most busy from November through March when it comes to handicapping uh, sports, specifically football and basketball, where I make my, my own numbers and college basketball and, and uh, college football and, and, and the NFL. But it's going to be pretty busy coming up with college hoops, but obviously it's very exciting times. The odds makers have to put up um, a number for every single game, and we betters get to choose what we attack. So this time of year is traditionally where the bread is buttered here on the Doggy Juice Pod, so let's move on by setting the stage for the 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to do a deeper dive season preview early next week. Obviously, we have Thanksgiving next week, so I'm going to release an early podcast, and that's mainly going to be focused on looking at this college basketball season and breaking things down conference by conference and looking at some more specific things. But in terms of macro trends and and things to look at before I even get to those, but um, it's a mad dash right now. It always is before college basketball season to work through, at least on my end, to work through player ratings and making preseason adjustments to my ratings. And there's been a lot of movement, obviously, in a COVID year, especially right now. I mean, I know that DePaul, just as I was about to record this, announced that COVID is going to cancel their first three games of the season. It's just a lot of extra work right now with this. And it's it does create opportunities, but there's just a lot of extra adjusting that has to be made uh, to the models, uh, to my, at least my specific college hoops models. But there's tons of resources at your disposal if you're looking to really dive into this. Um, the must-have, in my opinion, is the annual, and I'm not paid at all to to promote this, but the annual Blue Ribbon Yearbook. 
uh, which for anyone serious about college basketball is an absolute necessity. The info there is second to none, at least in my book. I think that's a must-buy, the Blue Ribbon Yearbook. You can get that on, on digital, via digital, so it's just a couple clicks away for you if you want a deep dive on onto all of the teams in the country. But just a macro thing. Coaching matters more in college basketball than any other sport out there. And when you see a, a good player or a good coach go to a, a specific program, he can really turn things around quickly. So that's always something to consider. And likewise for the poorer coaches out there. When you look at the odds this year heading into the season, there's a lot of parity. A lot of the usual suspects are at the top of the futures boards and at the top of Ken Palm's rankings, and Ken Palm is the number one source for all of you college basketball junkies. I can't recommend it enough. I don't think you can, you don't know college basketball without knowing Ken Palm, and that $20 a year subscription for uh, Ken Palm, uh, some of their specific information is just the easiest $20 you could spend all calendar year long, so got to get Ken Palm. But other sites to turn your attention to, Bart Torvik, a fellow attorney, Chicago land attorney, but he basically runs a poor man's Ken Palm that's free. So you can uh, look him up, Bart, and then T O R V I C K. That's his website. And then um, Haslametrics, another great website with a lot of great college basketball information. And the dudes over at the Three Man Weave, the local Chicago guys, they've been running an excellent college basketball podcast year round for a while now. So if you're looking for a deeper dive on college hoops, of course, before you listen to the Doggy Juice Pod season preview next week, um, I can't recommend those three-man weave guys enough. They know the teams like the back of their hands. So if you really want a deep dive, I know they do a conference-by-conference conference preview. But at the top of futures boards, we're seeing Villanova, Gonzaga, and Baylor. My alma mater, the Iowa Hawkeyes, are right up there as well. They're 8-1 to one to cut down the nets um, after the Final Four at DraftKings. They're 8-1. to one. And Virginia and Kentucky and Kansas, they're also right there as they usually are, at least at least Kentucky and Kansas. But those are the futures boards. Power ratings-wise, that can be a lot different. Baylor is number one at Ken Palm. Ken Palm actually has Baylor, Gonzaga, Duke, Villanova, Kansas, Texas Tech, Wisconsin, West Virginia, Texas, and Ohio State as the top ten. The Big Ten is stacked yet again. We have six teams in the top 17 at Ken Palm. Uh, Ken Palm specifically has Wisconsin, number seven, Ohio State, number 10, Michigan State, number 11, Iowa, number 13, Michigan, number 15, Illinois, number 17, and then Purdue, Indiana, Rutgers, and Minnesota are all in the top 30. So you effectively effectively have 10 Big Ten teams in the top 30 at Ken Palm. It's the best conference top to bottom easily. Down year for Maryland is expected. They're number 51 at Ken Palm. Penn State, another down year expected for them, too. Down at 64, Ken Palm's rankings. Northwestern at number 70. But bringing up the rear in the Big Ten is Nebraska, all the way down at number 117 on Ken Palm's preseason ratings. Like I said, next week's episode of the Doggy Juice Pod will serve as the official season preview for College Hoops, so be sure to tune into that. But for now, it's time to move on to the gridirons. Let's dive into some college football. I can feel it all the way down in my plums, getting all swollen. Five teams are consensus single-digit odds on futures boards to win the college football playoff. Those are Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Florida. Of course, we don't uh, recommend betting futures here on the Doggy Juice Podcast because of the inherent large household in those markets, but 
really it's three teams and then everyone else, Alabama, Ohio State, and Clemson. There's a big drop-off then before you get to Notre Dame. And then Florida's right there too, like I said. Clemson is still a $4 favorite to win the ACC. Oklahoma is atop the Big 12 Conference Futures Board at around even money to win the conference. Ohio State is a massive $9 favorite to win the Big 10. Wisconsin and Indiana, the Hoosiers, those are next. Oregon and USC are in a collision course, it seems, in the Pac-12, although Utah and Washington are also in the picture. And then, of course, Alabama. They're a $4 favorite to take down the SEC. Florida's in the 2-1 to one to 3-1 to one range, so it's basically a two-horse race there, setting up to be Bama versus Florida to take home the SEC. Speaking of Florida, Kyle Trask is the new Heisman favorite at around plus 150, depending on where you shop, of course. Justin Fields and Mac Jones are next in the plus 225 range, followed by Trevor Lawrence at around... Uh, plus 354 to 1. There's a big jump down then before you get to Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback at 33 to 1, and Derek King, Ian Book, and Kellen Mond are in the 60 to 1 range. So it's really shaping up to be, you know, three or four players that are going to get this done. But Kyle Trask is at the top of the board. It's really hard to imagine him not being or staying the favorite for a while now, especially with Trevor Lawrence obviously having sat out that time that he sat out. So Kyle Trask, your new Heisman favorite. Last week, we got drilled in the Masters and in college football. It was We were due for a losing week, I've been saying it. But uh, Army and Virginia Tech both didn't cover, although that Virginia Tech ending was very brutal. Um, and then the Masters, obviously, um, Matsuyama and Cantley top 20s got there, but otherwise it was no bueno for the weekend portfolio. But um, like I said, as a matter of fact, last week was the first losing week we've had here on the Doggy Juice Pod this football season. So can't really complain about the type of year we're having at all. Just been constant winning weeks here with college football and NFL plays, so it was coming, folks. There's going to be more losing weeks. It's just inevitable. It's a law of large numbers when it comes to sports betting. So all we can do is stick to our process, control what we can control, keep finding edges out in the marketplace, and slowly building our bankroll over time by assembling plus EV bets in the portfolio on a day-to-day basis. But this week in college football, several games were postponed again due to COVID-19, just like they are every week. In terms of actual games, though, the big game in the ACC Saturday between Cincinnati and Central Florida is really one to to check out and monitor Saturday. And as much as I love Cincinnati, my numbers do show slight value with the dog in that one. Uh, Central Florida catching, looks like, was that five points right now? Six points even. Yeah, sorry, six. But the better angle I like is the under in that one, under 63 and a half specifically. I heard college football handicapper Paul Stone explain this a lot better than I can, but I love this angle uh, when you can transfer over some handicapping principles from other sports like college hoops uh, to be specific here. But Central Florida averages 88.9 plays per game. The total plays per game in their games on average is 170, which just has to be the highest in the nation, at least Paul Stone, uh, per Paul Stone. Uh, Cincinnati, they play a lot slower, 67.2 plays per game on offense and only around 140 plays per game on average. It's 30 plays less. And like in college hoops, it's easier typically for the slower team to dictate the pace. Usually it's the better team that dictates the pace in college basketball, but it's easier in general when all things are equal for the slower team to dictate the pace. So even if we see something, and I I think that's going to happen on Saturday between Cincinnati and, and UCF. And when we, even if we see, you know, in the high 140s or low 150s in terms of the, in terms of the number of plays in this game, even if we see that, I think that 
We're going to see the favor control the proceedings in this one, obviously, and that does open up some value on the under in the mid-60s on this one. So, of course, with a game like this, um, these two offenses, there's a much wider range of potential outcomes, especially when you're dealing with a Central Florida game. So if this total hits you know, the, fifth, the 80s by the start of the fourth quarter, then it will come as no shocker at all. But in my opinion, you're obliged to take the under in this one. My plan is actually to monitor the market for this one because I think that we could see the number continue to tick up heading into the weekend. So maybe lock in a little bit of that 63.5 right now and then see where the market goes heading into Saturday. Another under that I like this weekend, it's in the Big Ten, and it's with my alma mater. And unfortunately, I also like the side in this one, or at least lean pretty strongly one way, and that's not with my Iowa Hawkeyes, who are visiting winless Penn State this Saturday. The Nittany Lions are going to go with a new quarterback, it looks like, this week, and they're looking to avoid an 0-5 start for the first time in program history. Iowa, as we know, likes to run the ball, and that should help them chew up the clock in this game. These two teams didn't even cross 30 points combined in their matchup last year. And at 47, I think the under is a worthy play in this game. And the Nittany Lions do show for me as well uh, when it comes to value. I would need plus three, a full field goal, uh, to bet anything serious in this one. But a little scoop up of the money line at plus 120. It's available right now in the market. I think that's a good option. Obviously, they're catching two and a half points. You really want to wait for the three due to you know, asymmetric risk. But I don't think that money line's a bad option for your weekend portfolio at all. And, of course, it stands to reason that I'm also going to like the Iowa team total under in this one, too. So consider that one a go at 24.5 or better. While we are on the unders, another one I like in the Big Ten this weekend is Nebraska-Illinois under 59.5. There's looks like there's some 58.5s out there right now, too. But call this one good at 58 or higher. But Obviously, shop around and get the price, the best price available because I do see 59.5 out there in the marketplace right now. Now, I never condone teasers in college football. The, there's just too much variance in college games, and you're, it's very rare where you're going to find value uh, on a typical advantage teaser, teasing through the key numbers of 7 and 3 on both legs of a two-team six-point teaser. Very rare to bet college football teasers. But if you're looking to do it in the Big Ten this weekend, there's a pair of lower-scoring games uh, with Wisconsin and Northwestern. Wisconsin's laying, it looks like that's down to 7 now. I agree with that move. I actually scooped up a teeny bit of Northwestern at 7.5 just because I thought that move was coming. I might look to play back Wisconsin if it dips under a touchdown. But um, but Wisconsin laying 7 against Northwestern, you can tease that down to, to one, essentially ask them to win the game outright. And then Penn State, you could tease up in the aforementioned game against the Hawkeyes. Stands to reason stands to reason that the points are more valuable in that one because I like the under in that one too. But you could tease Penn State through the three and the seven up to plus eight and a half as the other leg. If you ever had to bet a college teaser, I still wouldn't do it, but if you had to. And then pay special attention to the health of Appalachian State quarterback Zach Thomas heading in, into the weekend, a full health uh, for him at my numbers they show very nice value on app state visiting coastal carolina catching four and a half five points this saturday thomas went out in the fourth quarter with a nasty injury last week but he's day-to-day and even at 80 to 90 percent i think that's a good or even with him at 80 to 90 percent i think that's a good sell high spot on coastal this week in that game and just for reference to show how far these teams have come since the preseason I would have had App State favored by almost two touchdowns on the road in this game preseason. So Coastal has been adjusted that much by the marketplace. All right, time to move on to NFL Week 11.
A few games have been on and off the board this week. It's been pretty tough to monitor this throughout the week. Um, even as I record this, those games obviously taken off the board due to injuries, namely Teddy Bridgewater for the Panthers, Drew Locke for the Broncos, and also due to COVID-19 concerns, namely the Chiefs-Raiders game. Last week, in terms of our Doggy Juice Pod NFL Week 10 plays, it was a mixed bag, but it was a slight winner in the NFL for us. The Browns was an interesting one. Uh, recommended giving those out, or giving them out. Uh, or sorry, I recommended taking them at, uh, at minus three. You could have had uh, minus two and a half at, at the opener on last Sunday night, but you know this is what it is. But obviously, that end game was crazy, and the Texans ended up getting there when Nick Chubb ran out of bounds at the very end instead of scoring the touchdown. So that was that was uh, point spread shenanigans, to use the term. But the Raiders got there for us. The Rams got there. The under in the Rams-Seahawks game got there for us as well. The over in the Raiders-Broncos game did not get there for us. But like I said, the Raiders did get there. And since I thought there was value on the Raiders and the over, it stood to reason that there was value on the Raiders' team total over, and that did get there. So oftentimes it is best to hone in, and it almost always is best to hone in um, on a bet that perfectly and most succinctly succinctly fits your game handicap. And this is a perfect example of one in that game. The game didn't go over the total, but the Raiders' team total over did with ease. And then the Bears, obviously, all of us local Chicago Bears fans, oh my god, they lost, obviously, but they did cash the teaser leg in that low-scoring game, and our teaser legs crushed it yet again last week. The Colts got there, the Steelers got there, the Bills got there. The Chargers did get there if you were able to get it at 8.5. That game closed 1.5. So if you teased it up at post, you were really pissed off at the end because they lost by 8 points. So if you teased them up to 7.5, you were pretty pissed about that. I did have it up to 7.5 in a couple of my teasers, which is not ideal. But getting the 8.5 was all the difference, obviously, if you were able to do that in that teaser leg. Uh, The Ravens didn't get there, of course. They lost the game outright. But the Bears got there with our teaser, and our teaser of the week got there between or with the Colts and the Bears, moving our record on the official Doggy Juice Pod teaser of the week this season to 6-2 and two after passing two of the week so far. We're not passing this week. Uh, more on that soon. But we're in the home stretch of games now in the NFL, so without further ado, let's jump to the official Doggy Juice Pod NFL Week 11 plays. It's not as busy of a card for me this week in terms of NFL sides. A couple things. As I've said, it's very rare to have a week, any given week in the NFL, where you're seeing value, betting value on more than two or three NFL sides. Just The markets are just too sharp, too liquid. There's too much money being bet into these and sharpened out over the week. Obviously, at the beginning of the week, it's a different story when you're looking to play numbers. Maybe bet both sides of one game or find you know a rogue number out there and project line moves throughout the week. But when you're talking later in the week, it's really difficult to find betting value. And that kind of goes hand in hand with what I've said about doing a podcast that I release usually on Thursdays. It's hard for me to give out plays that I got down on you know, Sunday and Monday that are still available in the marketplace. And, you know, if anything, if they still are available in the marketplace, it means maybe <laughs> I'm not even on the right side. So it's, if anything, it's, uh, it's not the best to be giving out plays like that later in the week when they're still available, when the market hasn't moved on them. But you do see the market move back. Oftentimes there's money that moves a game early in the week. And then as the week passes on, as betting limits raise uh, are raised and, and as uh, the public money starts to come into the market more, the numbers oftentimes do come back a bit to where I bet them at. So I think it is useful to at least 
bring up some of these numbers um, just in case they come back. Obviously, outside of other news that may move the numbers, you know, like an injury or something like that, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to lay three points with the team when you could have earlier in the week and the line ticked up to five, but then back down to three later in the week due to a key injury. Obviously, you're, you're laying it in different, completely different number and completely different scenarios. Just like any investment you're going to make, you're going to make it with the best information you have at that time. But, and, it, and also, you know, just to drive home the point, Jimmy Vaccaro, legendary odds maker, he always says, Joe's bet teams, pros bet numbers, the numbers are all that matters. The rest is just narratives in our heads. So I'm going to mention some of these numbers. If they do tick back, they are definitely worth adding to, to your portfolio, all things equal. But the Packers were a great bet, and they still are, to be honest with you. If you could find, if you could have found a full field goal plus three at minus 120, juice or less earlier in the week, I think that was a great bet. That was hard to come by earlier in the week as well. But the money line was also showing nice value when the consensus price was plus two and a half on the Packers against the Colts this weekend. I make that game a pick em, and the Packers are still an excellent teaser candidate this week. More on that soon. But I also locked in the under 52 in that game. It's 51 now as I record this, and 52 is a relatively key number when it comes to the NFL, or at least totals in the NFL. So reduce the investment at 51, but consider this one good for a full position at 52 or better. I'd maybe lock in some under 51 right now and then see where that line goes heading into Sunday. The Chargers-Jets under 48 is also a big play in my portfolio this week. Got down on that on Sunday night, but um, that one's at 46, 46 and a half as I record this right now. But even so, the Dimers bot over at the quick pick section at Dimers.com is showing a nice 5.5% edge on the under 46 and a half in that one anyway. So even so, it's, it's entirely possible that we see that puppy tick back up, but the Vultures have sucked away a lot of the value on that one earlier in the week. So only do something smaller at 46 and a half and don't consider, you know, betting that full unit unless 47 or better begins to show again in the marketplace. The Falcons plus four and a half and money line plus 175 or better. That is still out there as I record this. I got it at five and I think you could still shop around for some fives. Obviously that's not, you know, that's a still, or that's a, that number's in no man's land. Very few NFL games land at five, but you always want to get the best price you could find. So you could still find some plus fives out there. But despite all the noodle arm talk, including from me on Drew Brees, he is number three in QBR this year, despite not even having his best weapons on offense for most of the season. I think the drop-off from Brees to Winston, Jameis Winston is uh, going to be playing quarterback for the Saints. It's being undervalued a bit in the marketplace here. And we also saw the look-ahead line last week before Breeze went down. The odds makers had uh, New Orleans as seven-point favorites in that game, but the line was adjusted, I think, a little bit too much with Jameis. So, you know, factor in a healthier Falcons team coming off their bye week that's very familiar with Jameis. And I think the downgrade from Breeze to Jameis should have definitely been more than the two-and-a-half points that the market implies. I don't think there's much of a power ratings adjustment on New Orleans after beating the Niners next week or last week anyway. But I do think that we have a tick of value in this one, um, especially with the Falcons off their bye week. They're very familiar with Jameis Winston, obviously. So I think this line should be slightly less than a field goal, 2.8 I make it. So at plus four or better, the Falcons are a nice edge on your week 11 card this weekend. The Steelers laying 10 against the Jags did make a lot of sense power ratings wise earlier in the week. Obviously, when you look at Mike Tomlin historically, this they're just so poor in these spots coming off a big win, going on the road to play a crappy team. So I hate laying points in this spot, but there does look to be bet, like straight up betting value because I think there's a bit of an overreaction to the Jaguars performance against Green Bay last week, almost beating the Packers outright as 14 point dogs in that game. But 
Uh, that line has ticked up to 10.5 in the market anyway, so I, and I do agree with the move. I wouldn't lay anything more than 10 here, but could justify a small wager laying the 10 points or laying minus 10 or better with the Steelers if it does get there. Speaking of laying points, looking at the intangibles alone, the Chiefs jump off the page this week against the Raiders. It's a revenge game. Obviously, the Raiders beat them outright at the beginning of the year, and obviously Andy Reid off the bye week for the Chiefs. I mean, Andy Reid historically. Everybody and their uncle knows about Andy Reid off the bye, but he always is prepared. He always has the best offensive game plans, and I think they could be catching the Raiders in a good spot here, especially with covid the COVID issues out there right now too. That's like I said, the game was off the board for a while due to COVID, but that lines up to minus eight due to these COVID issues with the Raiders. It's a great spot. I mean, you could have laid six and a half with the Chiefs just a couple of days ago, so really missing out on the best number. But it really is a great spot for the Chiefs looking to avenge uh, their only loss this year and cement their stranglehold over the AFC West. I'm not going to lay eight points in this one. I wouldn't get involved for anything uh, more than a touchdown, but. They do make a pretty good teaser leg, even though that game's higher scoring, if you're looking to tease through the 7 and the 3 with the Chiefs. Now, this is one of the games that has been on and off the board, but the Broncos catching 3.5, but more importantly, the Broncos-Dolphins under 45.5, and, and specifically the Dolphins' team total under. Those all fit on my numbers, especially the underplays. Both these teams rank in the top 13 in defensive DVOA at Football Outsiders. And the Miami numbers are skewed anyway under Tua since they came out of their bye week with him as the starting quarterback. They're averaging 30 points per game with Tua as the starter, and the NFL average for reference is around 25 points per game. But the Dolphins, they've had five outlier fluke touchdowns over that time span. They had three return touchdowns and two returns on defense down to the one-yard line to set up offensive scores, so effectively defensive scores. Um, so five of those. And, you know, it's just skewing their numbers, especially the past few weeks with Tua in there. And Tua obviously doesn't have the downfield accuracy as you'd expect. So the, the potential for big plays in this game is definitely muted as long as we don't see any defensive or special teams touchdowns, which we've been seeing left and right with Miami. Obviously, that stuff regresses uh, and on a week-by-week basis. I think we're going to see that this week, obviously. But Miami's also the second slowest in pace. And this season, they traveled to the altitude in Denver here. And it's a simple little lesson on looking at the stats, but also diving deeper. When you look at the Denver pace uh, not Miami, but the Denver pace. I said Miami's second slowest. But when you look at the Denver pace, you see that they're num- that they're second in straight-up seconds per play, but they're right in the middle of the pack in first-half seconds per play in terms of pace, which is a more accurate representation because a lot of their pace numbers are skewed due to playing catch-up in those second halves over the past few weeks. And we've obviously seen Drew Locke have some success, maybe not so much last week, but with uh, the Broncos' offense in the second halves playing catch-up. So... I expect this game to be more of a slower slogging pace up in the altitude, and I think we could see more conservatism from the Denver play calling after Drew Locke tossed four interceptions last week. So as long as we don't see another defensive special team score, I think that this one should be should go under pretty easily, actually. And I have this lined um, at around the key number of 42, relatively key number for a total in the NFL, so I'll gladly scoop up three and a half points of value on the total in this one, too. Closing up with teasers, and just a reminder for all the Doggy Juice Pod listeners on Advantage Teasers or the Stanford Wong 
uh, classic Stanford Wong advantage teaser of teasing through the key numbers of three and seven on both legs of a two-team six-point NFL teaser, especially with a lower total, uh, one in the 40s or you know, better is is the way to go. If you're not doing that type of teaser, you're just you're, you're buying points when you tease. You have to remember that. You have to cash a certain percentage of you know over 71% of the time effectively on each leg to to break even over time. And when you're, you know, teasing through the zero or not teasing through those key numbers, you are just buying points and you're, you're giving away your edge. So you're better off usually just doing a money line parlay if you're going to do that, you know, and that scenario. But teasing through the three and the seven is not only profitable, it's been especially profitable this year. If you've been listening to this podcast the whole season, betting on teasers, you've been cleaning up. Um, like we have been also with the teaser of the week here on the Doggy Juice Pod 6 and 2 this season. But there's a few legs that fit our classic model of teasing through the three and the seven this week, starting with the Texans. They're two-point underdogs against the Patriots. There's some one-and-a-halves out there, too, but I'm seeing twos. So you can tease them up from plus two to plus eight. I think that's a good bet on its own. The Texans, if they got to plus three in the markets, I would be betting them this week. Um, I think that game is should be a virtual pick em. So we're seeing some value on the Texans, actually. I mean, not, nothing wrong with scooping up a little money line at a nice plus price in that one, too. The Packers. Uh, my favorite, or one of my favorite teaser legs this week, uh, you could have you could tease them up from plus two and a half to plus eight and a half, or you could have. Um, there's some one and a halves out there in the marketplace, so be sure to shop around. But I do see the Camby books are still at two and a half, so you could tease the Packers up to plus eight and a half. I love this game actually. I locked in those plus eight and a halves on on a bunch of teaser legs already, and I actually love, like I said earlier, the Packers at plus three and money line as a standalone bet. But you know, with Jair Alexander back for them this week, on top of it, I think that really helps out and especially helps the under in that game. Like I've said, uh, the Bengals from plus one and a half to plus seven and a half. I, I love this one too. I had that game lined at almost a pick on my stuff. So we're getting nice value on the Bengals in that one. The Vikings uh, looks like you, you, know, you could have teased them down from minus seven and a half to minus one and a half that did fit the classic model but that line's now at seven so not much value to be had you're probably just better off long-term numbers wise just betting the vikings to cover the seven but that line's about where i think it should be honestly all the intangibles are pointing to the to the cowboys in that one with andy dalton back and coming off the bye week uh it's if anything i'm leaning to the dog in that game but my favorite one and it's no longer available, so I can't include it as the Doggy Juice teaser of the week. It was the Chargers. You could have teased them from 8.5 down to 2.5 um, against the Jets at home this week. That was my favorite teaser leg of the week, but unfortunately I can't include that one right now. Sad face. But that one was a great one, so pay attention to that line. If it does get back to 8.5, scoop that puppy up down to 2.5. And then the Chiefs now show, like I said, although that line has gone up through the seven, which isn't ideal. You could have just bet them at six and a half earlier in the week, but you could tease them down from minus eight to minus two in a classic Stanford Wong teaser this week. But in a higher scoring total, probably not the best value on your card. Better off just you know looking at the Chiefs uh, in, a, in a different fashion this week or just acknowledging that you're late to the party and maybe just look to bet the game live. But the official Doggy Juice Pod teaser of the week this week. I wish I could include the Chargers, but I cannot. So let's make it the Texans up to plus eight, paired with the Packers up to plus eight and a half. But like I said, if the Chargers do show again, you can cross through the seven and the three, then definitely add that one as well. We're six and two on the teaser of the week so far this year after passing two of the weeks. Let's get another W, baby. 
All right, that'll do it for this episode of the Doggy Juice Pod. As always, follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Doggy Juice. And listeners, if you haven't entered it yet, what are you waiting for? Dimers.com is literally trying to give you money. It's risk-free. takes 30 seconds to sign up if you haven't done so yet. And takes 10 seconds to make your picks. All you have to do is answer six out of the six questions correctly, and you can win that $1,000. Who doesn't want an extra dime to spend at the sports books, especially with all those soft college basketball totals coming up? It's a no-brainer. Just go to freetoplay.dimers.com and sign up. Go six for six. Take home that cash. Next week, I'll be coming to you live from Colorado. I'm heading out there this weekend and spending some time out there and attacking the betting markets and the flourishing legal regulated sports betting environment in the great state of Colorado. So, Coming to you live from there next week. College basketball season preview coming in that episode. Good luck with your bets this weekend. Talk to you all soon. Doggy Juice out.